0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray
0: Show. Hello everybody and welcome to Be Present. I'm Diane Ray, and I'm glad you could join me today for the show. So the word empath has been coming into my orbit a lot more lately. I've been hearing a lot more about people who feel that they're empaths and what that actually is. So we're going to explore that today and kind of take a dive into the world of empaths. And you might be one and not even know it. So today, I'm welcoming my guest, Kim Wurch. And she's an empath, spiritual healer, an archangel communicator who works with all kinds of people to help them develop their spiritual abilities. And I just finished her new book. It's called Waking Up an Empath, A Year in the Life of an Empath from Awakening to Spiritual Healer. And this book is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. So I hope uh, if you're out there doing some shopping that you pick this up. So I have Kim on here today and she joins me from her home in Alberta, Canada. So Kim, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join me today.
3: Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited.
0: Well, this will be fun. I, I had a lot of fun reading the book. You know, it's it's true about the word empath. Like I didn't hear it much, you know, a few, few years ago, and now more people seem to be aware of what that is. So maybe you could tell people your definition of of an empath.
3: I certainly can. So um, a lot of folks assume that the word empath is the same as empathy, which is actually not the case. Empath stands on its own definition. And my definition of an empath, I'm just going to speak from my own experience, is somebody who is highly, highly sensitive, both physically, uh, mentally, emotionally. We recognize the slightest Um, change in energy. We can recognize people's emotions often before they do. Um, We pick up on the slightest subtleties in the world.
0: And that can be difficult for a lot of people to navigate if they are an empath, right? Because there's so much stimulation coming your way that sometimes things get overwhelming. Mm -hmm.
3: Oh, you betcha. I mean, we get overwhelmed by just being in crowds and, you know, you have so much energy coming at you from people's different emotions and we often suffer from anxiety and depression because of that. Um, We're highly sensitive to physical things like detergents and perfumes. I mean, our environments can be very healthy for us or they can be very detrimental for us.
0: So recognizing that you're an empath, or somewhere along that along that scale, is really the first step in in managing things, right? Because you can go for years and not really know what's going on. And people are just saying, Oh, you're too sensitive, you know, stop being a baby, you know, stop crying, or, or whatever you're experiencing, people don't take it seriously. But if you're more aware of it, then you can take steps to protect yourself and navigate the world a little bit easier. So I took the quiz in the beginning of the book, and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty far on the scale <laughs> of, of uh, being an empath. So it does explain a lot. I mean, I'm okay in crowds and things like that, although I do, you know, I can take it for a certain amount of time, and then I'll, I'll want to leave. So people should really take this quiz at the beginning of the book to see where they are on the scale. So one of the things that you do when you work with people is to give them steps to manage it, right? If they're feeling really challenged with this. So what are some of the things you do when you work with people?
3: oh gosh well if if first of all, I mean, like you said, it's the smartest thing you can do is take the quiz and determine am I or am I not right away and the nice thing is it's also on my website, so you don't necessarily have to purchase my book to take the quiz and you take that and it's gonna i I laugh so hard when I see people taking the quiz. It's so entertaining because you see them as they're reading it, nodding and going, "Oh my gosh, that's me," and just being able to relate right away. And so automatically as soon as you've discovered okay yeah I'm an empath your next question is obviously going to be well what next what do I do next and that's that's where somebody like me comes in where I can not only direct you on the type of healing that is specialized for an empath what kind of healing is required to you know get you back to just yourself Um, there's products on the market, but I mean, you don't want to become reliant on um, purchasing things, right? So I give people tools and tips and tricks, um, many of which you can do without purchasing a thing. One of the simplest ones I teach people, and Diane, I, I encourage you to try this with us right now. Everybody can try this right now, is literally just taking your hands and putting them facing palms down to the earth. Your hands are nice and wide open. And this really works off of intention. You really kind of need to um, want to do this. So what you're doing is you're intentionally saying to yourself, I want to release anything and everything that is not serving me. Anything I can release that's energy that's not mine or that is not good for me, I wanna release it. And what you'll notice with your hands, palm down to the earth, but you're not touching anything, of course, you'll notice you'll get a sensation in the palms of your hands. You'll notice, for some people, it'll it'll be a tingling, very subtle tingling. Some of you, it might be a little bit stronger. You might feel a little bit of a zap in your hands. You might get just an odd sensation that you really can't even describe. What you're doing in that case is you're releasing energy, excess energy that you don't need. And no, it's not going to take care of everything, but it's a darn good start.
0: And that's something, just a simple exercise that people can do. And you teach courses in empath development. So you give people uh, different exercises like that, you know, maybe meditations or different lessons, uh, ways that they can handle it better, because I, I could see where it would really be overwhelming to people's sensitivities if they don't have something that they can work with.
3: Oh, you bet. I mean, we all need coping mechanisms, right? And I I think empaths maybe need a few more than the average, Joe, um, because of the overwhelm we experience. And I mean, certainly we don't want to have to turn to medication to help us. It would be nicer and obviously healthier if we had natural alternatives.
0: But it's great that there's a name for it now, where before, you know, people would just say, you know, like I had mentioned, oh, you're too sensitive, or, you know, and just kind of put it on the person when it's really something that is a natural part of who they are. And you just really have to be aware of that part of yourself. And then you can take steps to kind of manage it. And I'm sure around this time of the year, people that are empaths are really feeling all kinds of things, you know, especially with the holidays coming up and family and and things like that. So do you have a lot of people calling you at this time of the year that that need some help
3: and guidance? I sure do. So many. I'm usually booked right up to the new year. And I get why I you think about the fa- the people who have large families, especially, are you are you necessarily going to get along with everyone in your family? Chances are there's probably a few you don't get along with. And you don't t- necessarily see them all the time. But of course, the holidays brings everyone together. So not only is the poor empath dealing with a crowd of people, large party, they're also having to contend with uh, people that they maybe don't get along with quite as well, other family members. And that just brings up their anxiety level, that brings up their requirement for coping mechanisms, you know, that just makes them feel um, a little bit out of control. And so for those people, I get calls asking for emotional healing, um, because as a healer uh, and an empath, I'm able to help them with those types of things. I book a lot of Um, private sessions to clear them of stored energies that they don't really need. And it helps bring down their anxiety levels so fast.
0: So people that are empaths are probably more drawn to have success with energy healing and Reiki and things like that. And you described your own journey in the book of working with these different modalities and different methods. So could you explain a little bit about how how you came to do this work because you didn't even realize you were you didn't know what an empath was probably the word wasn't even around you know years ago when you were dealing with your own own stuff and you know things that you describe in the book You betcha
3: I you know I was 36 before I figured this out <laughs> and you know right? I <laughs> talked to so many people that are in their 50s that didn't know they were an empath. So yeah, it's it's common that most of us are not aware. We don't realize we're different. We're so busy every day trying to fit in with everyone else that we don't realize we're unique. <laughs> and it, it was pretty scary, to be honest, to figure out at that age that um, I'm not like everyone else. And I have to deal with that because if I don't, I'm just going to get sicker and sicker. And so it was interesting for me learning about this term and learning that there is so much to it and that we have specific traits and that those traits make us qualified for very unique um, professions So you'll find a lot of empaths doing any type of service work. I find them as nurses, um, even like yourself, radio host. And what are you doing? You're reaching out and you're trying to help people in some way or another. We're often in service type roles. We work for the government to be of service to others. We are amazing healers. We are definitely highly qualified naturally talented to be spiritual healers you know and that includes reiki and akashic records and and the many many modalities that are available these days but it's it's not that empaths need to follow a spiritual path at all by no means they are highly qualified for many roles and what would make them better at their professions is to be healthier And that's really my goal is to reach out to all the other empaths out there. I know there's lots of them and let them know you're not crazy. You're just unique. You're just special. And I want you to get healthier because I know that you're an asset to the world. So let me help you with that. And that's what I'm trying to do with my books.
0: Oh, I think it's definitely an asset To be able to relate to people and and be caring and and be able to pick up on those energies and and read the room. I I mean, I think it's definitely an asset. And if anyone out there is cruising around the internet and happens to stumble upon the show live while we're doing it right now, and you feel that you might be an empath and, and no one ever really explained it to you, then definitely give us a call, 816 251 3555, and you can talk with Kim. And she can give you some tips on ways to better deal with this because um, people can sometimes feel lost and alone and think that they're weird or there's something wrong with them. And I think that having this quality is an, is an asset because so often you'll be with a group of people and there's there's always someone that can't, you know, call it, I call it read the room, you know, where I can walk in and, and kind of sense, you know, what's going on or, or how people are feeling and people that don't have that it's just like a bull in a china shop kind of situation and you know <laughs> they're just walking into something and not really realizing you know what what's going on so i think it it's definitely an asset and something that's needed and should be developed like how how much better would doctors be if they were more in tune with that that empathic part of themselves or you know healers of, of any any stripe you know, whether they're a psychologist or medical doctors or something like that. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely an asset for people to, to have that, that quality. So in your book, which I thought was really interesting, you take us on a year in your life from where you just became aware of, of what that really means. Now, just to be clear, though, not all people that are empaths would have like the gifts that you've been able to tap into in, you know, really being intuitive or psychic, but it definitely helps, Right.
2: Yeah,
3: you are right. Not everybody is going to be standing out quite like I do. Um, Certainly not all empaths are going to be uh, psychic by nature. Um, They're not all necessarily going to be drawn towards the spiritual stuff like I am. Um, They're not necessarily all going to be like me in that I you know, work with the spiritual realm and archangels and things. That's not necessarily one of those things that is a trait of an empath. But certainly, if it is of interest to you, being an empath definitely sets you apart from others following that path, because it does open more doors for you. And you because of the 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 type of work that um, being a psychic requires. You do need to be highly sensitive to energy because we're not dealing with the physical. We're dealing with the non-physical. And so to pick up on those subtleties, the subtle vibrations, the subtle messages, it's hard work. People think it comes easy to us, but it does not.
0: No, it does. It takes some effort and, and some study. And you describe that in the book, of what kind of the steps that you went through to really recognize what was going on, and and how to how to deal with that. So we have time in this break to grab a caller. Actually, getting some people calling in. Someone from your neck of the woods too. <laughs> this might be maybe this is a maybe this is a client. This would be great. So let's go to Linda. She's on line one, calling from Alberta. And Linda, welcome to the show. You're Hi. on with Kim today. Hello. Hi, can you hear us? Mm-hmm.
1: I can hear you. I'm phoning on my landline, and I've got you playing on my cell phone.
0: Oh, okay. Just turn it down on your cell phone so you don't get that feedback. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. we can hear you. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Diane.
1: Hi, I, I hear myself the in the
0: background. I'm laughing. I'm glad that you could join us. <laughs> oh,
1: it's, I, Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, who am I talking to right now? Who's speaking?
0: I've, this is Diane. So, Linda, some, did you have a I, did you have a question for Kim?
1: Well, I've had a couple sessions with Kim, and I'm just starting her book, and it's incredible. I got 11 out of 22, and um, on the quiz, so yeah, you you I, scored pretty I, high
3: on
0: the Empath quiz. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's. Yeah, I'm fairly new to this, so it's, it's quite incredible, and I really look forward to working with Kim in the future and maybe get some Reiki training.
0: Well, tell me some of your experience in the session. What was it like? The first time you came in, so you knew nothing about what an empath was, and what was it like well, working no, with Kim? I've been, no, I
1: did. I've been um, on my spiritual path and awakening and um, just coming to realize that I was empath. And okay, um, but not highly like crowds i I really enjoy being around people and and things but um but so Kim in your fast, you
0: know. in your experience, Kim, working with Linda' she's she's just illustrating what we were talking about, how it you know every everybody's different of course, and her level of of being an empath is gonna be different from other people like crowds, she said doesn't really bother her. So when you started doing a session with Linda, what what were the steps that you took to identify what was going on with her?
3: Well, with Linda, um, I vaguely recall the session. Uh, she came to me in a public venue and in those public venues, it's very loud, very distracting. And I focus on the individual for about 20 minutes. And what I'm doing is I'm kind of assessing them, see where they are emotionally, where are they mentally, uh, do they have any physical ailments, things like that. And that really just kind of tells me what can I do for them in that moment. And for Linda, it was really more about the emotional healing. And she's right, like not everyone reacts to crowds. Every empath is unique. Every empath is different. And so that's why there's so many questions in the quiz, because nobody's going to usually get 100% yes to every question, but it's usually a percentage. So you're going to be really high on the questions that's going to indicate, yes, this person is an empath, and then they can pursue that to find out how does it apply to them how does it affect them and the traits that are necessary that they might not see as a positive thing getting healing for that and oftentimes it's usually the emotional stuff
0: right that's so true things that have yeah. been going on for a while so linda have you noticed a, a difference you know since you started working with kim
1: um well yes uh, Things started coming up, though, that had been, you know, I've discussed with, with Kim, and it's, it's been coming up. And I have been starting to feel better and better.
3: I'm it's, so happy oh, to hear that, Linda. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I was very ungrounded when Kim saw me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, there was one night that I had a session booked with Kim and Kim, a remote healing. And I didn't even realize it happened. I woke up the next morning and wow, I wonder why I'm feeling so great today. (laughs) (laughs) And then I found out later they had done a remote healing on me the night before.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting. So you didn't notice it happening at the moment, but then you felt the effects later.
1: Well, I don't know. Sometimes I don't have the greatest awareness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all working on that, so don't you know don't (laughs) don't don't feel bad about that.
1: Yeah, no, it's fabulous.
0: Yeah, And where do you hope that, uh, or, well, I guess you don't know where things are going to take in the future as you're on this journey, but oh. are you hoping to learn more from Kim about better ways to handle being yeah. an empath yeah. or yeah.
1: how that's going to open the book. door? I've been having a hard time getting getting myself focused into reading, but things are different. Today. I know, sometimes. <laughs>
0: sometimes it's sometimes it's tough you know to get the time to do yeah. that, but I'm so glad you're yeah. able to share your story and tell us a little bit about your experience and Did you have any other uh, question you know directly that you wanted Kim to answer?
1: Um no, not at this time, I don't think, but oh, I'm sure there's lots of them, but <laughs>
3: yeah right, I just when it, when it comes
1: up. With you Kim.
3: well, that's great. Yeah. thanks for calling in, Linda. It's really sweet of you. Thank you Kim and Diana.
0: Well, Have thanks for joining thing. us. That's okay. awesome. You you too. Take care.
1: Bye-bye. Well,
0: it's great it's great to hear from people that that you're working with um you know and there was a client right there so that that was cool that she was able to to join us for the show. But she did mention grounding and you were just talking about that that grounding exercise. And I think that's something all of us could probably work on is just getting a little bit more grounded. Uh, in our daily life and not just letting things spin out of control. But do you find like how Linda mentioned about the emotional healing that, you know, once you start peeling back, back the layers, people that are empaths probably have gotten really good at putting things, you know, shoving it under the rug kind of thing, you know, pushing things down just so that they don't feel it. And it must be a challenge to work with people to peel back those layers. You
3: know, they all do it and I've gotten used to it over the years and recognizing it and how to deal with it. But I know even myself, I did that. I compartmentalized. And uh, it's just another coping mechanism we do to manage our day-to-day lives. And so when we start clearing those things, it starts opening up Pandora's box a little bit because now you're you're really having to express your emotions whether you like it or not you know stuff that you start bursting into tears for no reason because your body starts purging so when you when you get start that healing it's a bit of a surprise to a lot of us that there's so much there and when we start that healing process once that door is open it's hard to close it again so you almost are forced then to really look at your stuff and really start um, clearing things on an emotional level and on a much deeper level. So it, it, it can be a little bit of a surprise for some people.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I could imagine. I mean, the, just the stuff that you bury and uh, I think it's so, it's so great what you're doing to help people unearth that and and deal with it. Because I think the more that you push that stuff down, it's going to manifest physically into, you know, Any number of things. I mean, yeah, disease, headaches. You know, cancer. I mean, so many things that just kind of sit and and take root in your body that you're not dealing with when you're not dealing with it emotionally. So I'm sure that's that's such a challenge. So it was interesting to hear uh, Linda's experience with the remote session because people may think that oh, that you know, that's just there's no way that's going to work. You know, that's ridiculous. But when you think of it energetically, you know, you could be. I mean, sending me energy from Canada, you know, and, and vice versa. There's really no barrier, barriers or walls in that kind of thing, since we're surrounded no, by energy all the time.
3: You betcha. No limitations whatsoever. I have clients as far as Australia, and they book a session, and a lot of times... People will, like Linda, have to book a remote session because, you know, I'm a busy person. I can only take so many people in person at once. And so what they'll do is they'll book a remote session with me, which is just a 30-minute session. And I'll do it when I have time. I'll fit it into my schedule somewhere late at night, early in the morning. I never know when. And I will do really intensive healing work on them for a good half an hour straight. And then I'll send them a little email report. And the feedback I get is just phenomenal. Some people feel it in the moment, but like Linda, most of them aren't aware of the changes in the moment. They're aware of what happens after the fact or what doesn't happen after the fact.
0: I think that's so fascinating that you're able to help people and heal even from a remote distance. And so you could do it on the phone or if you see them, does that make a difference if you can make that visual connection? Like if you were on Skype or something like that?
3: Not for me. It makes no difference at all. I don't even often do it on the phone. To be honest, I find it to be more of a distraction if they're on the phone or if they're on Skype, because if they're talking to me, they're distracting me, right? They're not necessarily needing to be involved with what I need to do for them. Uh, And of course, if they have questions, they can ask. But what happens in um, in in-person sessions is that I have to book them for an hour because, of course, the individual wants to chat. They want to ask questions. They want to learn more. And what it does is it actually distracts me from doing the healing work on them. So I find uh, remote sessions can often be more effective
0: right well I want to talk more about that and your experience and more about some of the stories that you share in the book waking up an empath so we're going to take a short break about three minutes and then we'll be right back with Kim Wirch. so I hope you come back after the break thanks for joining me
1: thanks for joining us This is Unity Online Radio,
2: the voice of an awakening world.
1: It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click
2: on Donate Today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991.
1: I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate. Because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking.
2: To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Have you ever performed a random act of kindness? In a beautiful new book called Write It On Your Heart, Unity employees make suggestions for random acts they've tried or received themselves. The book includes 40 ways to express kindness or compassion and has room to journal about your experiences. It's the perfect gift, and you'll want one for yourself too. Look for Write it on your heart at unity.org/shop. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Do you dread going to work every day and just pray for Friday? Get a fresh perspective on your career with Mo Fall and bring your soul to work every Thursday at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. A leadership mentor and career coach, Mo can help you go from underpaid, unsatisfied, and unappreciated to loving your life and career again. Join the show and let Mo guide you to make some real life changes. Tune in every Thursday here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call
0: now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555.
2: Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show.
0: Thanks for joining me after the break and tuning in for the show today. I'm Diane Ray, and we're having a great conversation here with Kim Wirch, talking about her book, Waking Up an Empath. And Kim is an empath, spiritual healer, and archangel communicator who has been helping people for years develop their spiritual abilities. And we we're just uh, talking in the first segment about what an empath is, how you can deal with that, what some of the challenges are, and I did want to ask you about if you're a parent and you have a child that you think is an empath, how can you, how can you work with that?
3: Oh, I am a parent of an empath. <laughs> so, I can tell
0: so you, then am. you would know. Yeah. <laughs> like how do
3: you, how can you tell, you know, if, especially
0: with toddlers or or really young kids, you know, they're acting out or something's happening? Like, how can you make that distinction? Well, hey, this is a little bit more or a little different than just a normal terrible twos situation or something like that.
3: You know, parents tend to know more than you give them credit for. Uh, I've had a lot of parents come to me, they already know They really do. They know their child is different somehow. They know their child is very sensitive. And it's nice for them to finally hear about the word empath, because I've had a lot of parents come to me who are not empaths themselves, but are totally aware that their child is. And I've had young kids brought to me, teenagers brought to me, and I can tell you every single time they were right. And they always ask, what can I do as a parent? And I love this question because it just shows how much they love their kids. They want to help. They want to be a good parent. And I always tell them, start by reading my first book, because really how you can help them is to understand them. Because you're not going to be able to do everything for them. You're not going to be able to, you know, fight the challenges for them, right? But if you understand them, you're going to understand why they do what they do. You're going to understand why their behaviors are so different from what you're familiar with or how you were. And from that, that understanding brings a lot more patience and a lot more um, calmness in the family dynamic because you're not fighting an uphill battle all the time. And so I just, I love these parents that do this. And I say, read the book. And when the kids are old enough, typically I would say around 11 or 12, have them read the book or read the book to them and teach them based on what you learn from the book, whatever you can and whatever you feel is appropriate and like age appropriate. And the biggest thing I can say is try to have as much patience as you can because they're not like other kids they are going to cry easily. And that's okay, because that's how we're built. And that's what we do to release unwanted energies. And so it doesn't mean you're a bad parent, because your child cries all the time. It means you just hold them hold space and just wait it out.
0: But I'm sure that could be really confusing for a lot of parents. So it's great that you could explain this in the book and give them the information and the tools so that they can help help their kids. And then, like you said, as they get older, just explain, hey, you know, this is what's going on with you. And this is why you're feeling these feelings. And then you can teach them how to handle it as they get older, you know, a little bit better. Yeah,
3: exactly. Uh, just knowing this is what you are, takes away so much of the angst, takes away so much of the feelings of isolation. Um, you know, the hardest part for most empaths is when we're young and we want so badly to fit in with our peers. We don't want to be seen as different or weird or odd. And that's probably the hardest part. And if you can get them through that phase, they will be just fine.
0: Right, and you'll be doing them such a favor too. Unlike in your case, when you didn't really realize what was going on until much later, you know, in into your thirties. I mean, had you mm-hmm. known earlier, like, look at what what you could have avoided, probably, right? <laughs> it would have been things would have been a lot easier, you know, had oh, you it, known that. It so. would have been
3: a totally different life. But right. at the same time, I know now that if I had been any different, then how would I be able to help others? How would I be able to teach them? How would I really?
0: Right Because you're teaching everything from what your your personal experience. so this is coming directly from what you had to go through first. So I wanted to get a little bit into that too, because I thought your personal story was so interesting that you say in the book, you know you really were an atheist for years or didn't really uh subscribe to a, a spiritual path did you Did you grow up just with no you know religious mm-hmm. training or anything like that, like not as a Catholic or Baptist or anything?
3: Yeah, my parents, um, not not that I had the healthiest upbringing. It was certainly not the ideal situation. Um, we weren't really taught um, anything about religion. I wasn't really exposed to anything until I was about... Uh, about 12 years old I would say before I went to church for maybe the first time so I I didn't have that upbringing or that understanding I was not exposed to religion other than what I saw on TV so for me what ended up happening was when I as a teenager I was exposed to the church um, I had a lot of questions and I found it extremely frustrating that they couldn't give me answers. And I was always told, just have faith, just have faith. And I'm, I'm not, I'm very scientific mind, very logical mind. I'm like, yeah, just have faith isn't, isn't the answer I want to hear. I want answers. And so it was interesting for me when I discovered I was an empath and started going down a spiritual path, I got answers. And that really told me a lot about what I was doing because I got tangible proof. I got answers. I got guidance. I got what I needed and I got more than that to be in service to others. And so it just totally changed my life overnight.
0: And how have your views about uh, God or a source in that way. How has that changed? I mean, do you feel that now there's kind of a one, you know, spirit or, or source of energy available to all of us? Like what what to you is God, I guess?
3: I don't really put a lot of thought into that, to be honest. Um, certainly there is one source of energy, but mostly because I just work with archangels, you know, I I started in the beginning, started to ask some of those questions. And the first question I remember asking Archangel Raziel, because he's the one that I spend the most time with. I asked him, I said, Raziel, what's your view on the Bible? And the answer I got was, we were around long before the Bible was written. And right, that, kind well, that of, makes sense. <laughs> that answered that really fast. And I never honestly brought it up after that, because I figured, well, they were around long before any of that so does it matter it doesn't to me it doesn't and he's always there for me he always answers my questions um you know he he's never steered me wrong i've never been led down a path that was dangerous or that was unhealthy for me and he's helped me with my the products that help empaths and because those have all garnered results you know, very, very positive results. I don't really question them beyond that.
0: And how did that door open for you for connecting with Raziel and angels? Was that through someone else? Or how did that happen? Because I'm, I'm waiting for my angelic experience. <laughs> I've been wanting this for a long time, Kim. Because um, I've talked to a lot of people that work with angels and just really have such like I'm I'm envious in a way, I'm jealous of that connection that they have, and i'd I'd really like to know how you were able to make that
3: you know, I didn't ask for it, that's the funny thing i didn't I didn't expect it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't even think it was a real thing. I didn't think they were real. My first exposure to them was when two of them showed up one night and um were talking to me, but I couldn't understand a word they were saying. And I, I could feel them there. I knew they were there. I knew they were trying to communicate with me, but I couldn't understand a word. I couldn't translate it. I didn't know how to translate it. I found it very frustrating. And I went to a friend, actually, which is a conversation that I, I put in the book. And she did her best to translate it. And it was, funnily enough, about my first book. At that time, it wasn't a book. It was never actually intended to be a book it was a journal. I was documenting all of these experiences I was having as I was going through this spiritual awakening. And I was terrified. I got to admit, I was not liking this stuff. I was exhausted. I was, I was going through changes and I was, you know, I had dead people showing up and, and I'm being woken up in the middle of the night and I didn't know how to manage any of these things. And I didn't, I was, I was alone. I felt alone. And so this night when these two angels showed up and and I asked a friend if she could understand them and she said, I'll try and she managed to get visuals from them and we had to interpret those visuals and we weren't sure if we were accurate. We didn't know how close we were, but what we got was them showing a book and a key and she says, does a book and a key mean anything to you? And I'm like, not really. And she's like, huh, what about journal? Is anything like that? And I'm like, well, I'm in the process of documenting my experiences right now. And it's getting pretty lengthy. I said, is that what they're talking about? And she got a really like strong yes to that. And then we figured it out. The book is the key. And I'm like, okay, they're excited about what I'm writing what does that mean? And it wasn't until much later that I realized they wanted me to turn my journal into a book. And I resisted for the longest time. But I know now they were right because the amount of people that it's helped and and the feedback that I've gotten and the people that have, it's changed lives. And now I understand what they were trying to do or trying to get me to do. So that was my first introduction to them.
0: And now you have a regular uh, line of communication, I guess. So you were able to strengthen that, to strengthen that connection from the initial contact.
3: It took a lot of work. It took a lot of practice. It took a lot of um, changes. I literally had to go through physical changes. We call it spiritual development, but sometimes I call it spiritual torture because <laughs> the the changes that you go through when you when you go through... Reiki training. It's not like going to school, reading a book, and learning what's in the book, taking a test, and you're done. It doesn't work that way. With spiritual development, you have to go through physiological changes. You change on a cellular level. Your brain changes, your body changes, and you become more heightened, even more so. So imagine an empath already super sensitive. Now, times that by a thousand. And that's kind of what I went through, especially that first year. And it took probably about, well, even the first year I still was having difficulty communicating with them. It took a lot of evolution before I was able to communicate with them in a way that I could confidently say I was getting accurate information.
0: And you mentioned Reiki, and that's an energy Uh, healing system that that's been around for a long time. Now, did you study Reiki before you were able to make that angelic connection? Like like was is there? Does that make it easier? If if you're familiar with Reiki, or you know it? Or was it the other way around that you were able to communicate with the angels and then studied Reiki?
3: No, I it was after it was definitely after. Um, They were showing up prior to my doing the training, but it was the training and the development that actually made it more possible. I could feel them, I could sense them, but I couldn't communicate with them. And, you know, I I have a lot of stories about angels these days. They're not... They're not like what people think they are. They're not like what's on Google and how they're portrayed to be where they have wings and that they're that they're these beings that are going to just come and do everything for you. It's it's so totally different in reality. You know, I had an angel show up one night. It was so funny. I was almost asleep and my touch-tone lamp beside my bed starts turning on gets brighter brighter and then off and then on and I'm like what the heck's going on with my lamp and my eyes were closed so I can only see the light changing through my eyelids and I opened my eyes and it was more I don't know it was more that I could sense her there than see her but there was an angel there and it scared the daylights out of me I flew over the bed to the opposite side I'm like in this ninja move where I'm like gonna gonna scrap with somebody And then I realized it was an angel. And so I had to ask what she was doing. And she said, I was just trying to see if I could manipulate the electricity in the lamp.
0: (laughs) Now, that would have freaked me out to have that encounter for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That would that would have been crazy.
3: (laughs) Because they don't normally manipulate the physical. And electricity is one of the few things that is non-physical that they can kind of interact with that will change things on the physical, like a light that turns on and off. And so she was just curious, but I asked her, please do that during the day, not when I'm in bed. You scared me to death. (laughs) So do you have
0: a contact daily or do you get um, information, you know, daily from from angels
3: don't because I'm often so busy it does require you to slow down, um, really pay attention, kind of tune out the outside world, uh, focus inwardly. Um, you know it requires a lot of focus and you, you have to be in the right emotional state. So if you're in a heightened state of any any kind, especially if you're upset, it doesn't work. So you really need to be calm, clear, objective, centered is what they call it, grounded. And then you're going to be able to effectively do it. Um, Now I can communicate with them when I'm out and about. It is a lot easier for me to do that now without stopping and doing all those things. But often when you're on the go, you just don't even think to do that.
0: But you do also teach workshops and help people to make that connection um, you know, that are all that are on this path that realize their empaths. And then also they can work with angels to help them with, you know, whatever they're dealing with. So you also, you teach that as well. I mean, do you think we all have, do we all have a guardian angel? Because I'm, I'm still kind of looking for mine sometimes.
3: You know, it's a it's a different description than what I use. But yes, everyone does. Um, everyone has a guide, I call them guides. And they're often souls. They're like us. They're humans who have passed over. And everybody has someone looking out for them. Everyone has someone guiding them. And those are the ones I teach people to communicate with because their guides are the ones that knows them. Whereas angels don't really interact with humans as much as you'd think. They don't really know us on an individual level. And so I have done workshops where I've brought in an angel so that everyone can feel them. But I've noticed what often happens when an angel gets really close is that people burst into tears or they start hyperventilating or um, they get overwhelmed because the, the energy of an angel is very extreme. It's very overwhelming and powerful and all consuming. And so I often have to ask them to back up. <laughs> I can
0: imagine that must be the pretty intense energy to feel.
3: It is very, if, if much there's so. one
0: really there in the room.
3: Yes, especially when they come really, really close. Yes.
0: Oh, wow, that sounds amazing. (laughs) I would like to feel that, you know, I'll have to I'll have to take your course. One thing I thought was interesting, too, that you mentioned in the book, you know, when people are exploring these different, uh, different kinds of things, you know, whether it's, it's angels or Reiki, you know, other energy healing things. And you you say to take it seriously. Do you think that there's a misconception that people May think that, oh, this isn't, this isn't a serious thing. And now it's fun to talk, talk about angels, but I don't really think they're there or, you know, like they take it lightly, I guess, is what I'm saying. Do you kind of caution people about
3: that? (laughs) I do if they start doing the workshops and the development work and really getting into it. There's those who just dabble, and that's fine. There's those who are kind of on the peripheral that are kind of interested, want to hear about it, but don't really want to do it. And that's fine. I get that. Um, A lot of times people will be introduced to it, and they'll realize just how much work is involved, how much dedication is required, and how all-consuming it can be. And often people don't want that. That is not the right path for them. It's not really what they're looking for, um, and and that's t- totally fine. There's there's no no good or bad. But for those who actually do really want to get into it, it's not a game. It is you're you're playing with people's lives because if you're if you're somebody who does readings, for example, or you do um, psychic um, mediumship or or anything like that. What you're doing is so important to the individual who's coming to you. They're putting a lot of trust and faith in you as an individual to not only give them accurate information, but also to help them in a lot of cases. And that is not something that you take lightly. That is not something you trifle with. You don't mess with people's lives and you don't take their money unless you can honestly and effectively say you can actually give them what you're what they're asking for. So no, I, I definitely don't take it too lightly.
0: Right, because it is a big responsibility. I mean, I've seen people where, you know, they could be really hurt um, by information that was given that wasn't you know given in a in a loving way or they were told something that like i've i've heard people i won't say who but you mm-hmm. know different people that were were readers you know mm-hmm. tell someone oh i don't think you should get that surgery or something like that when you could be putting someone in at real risk
3: absolutely and we're not doctors and so we mm-hmm. don't diagnose and you're absolutely right the method in which it's delivered is very important And I have had people come to me that have been misdirected, misled, and hurt. And sometimes they are distrustful, and I don't blame them. But, you know, I can't say that that only happens in this industry. It happens in all industries. So I always caution people, don't just go to anybody. You know, get a referral. Check out their credentials. Make sure that you feel comfortable with them. If you walk in the door... And you feel funny. You get that off feeling. Something isn't right. You don't need to know why. Just leave. Run the other direction. <laughs> There's a reason right. you're getting that feeling.
0: Red, <laughs> yeah, don't don't ignore those feelings. Those little taps on the shoulder are. That's always something I pay attention to. You know, if I have that weird feeling. Uh, around people or you walk into a situation, it, it's usually the, the best move is to pay attention to that. So the, the same will be said, like you said, it's not just in this line of work, but in everything, you know, if something doesn't feel right, you know, don't do it. But if people are drawn to, you know, work with you or, or any other healers and to really learn more about this kind of, this kind of stuff, you know, take it seriously, go into it with a, an open mind but, you know, definitely respect like the amount of time that I know you've put into your teachings. I mean, you've been doing this for a while and have studied a lot of different things, you know, a lot of different modalities and traditions. So you, you've you taken it seriously and put a lot of effort into it.
3: Absolutely. And it's because I care. And it's because that I, I know the repercussions, if not treated very seriously, And because I've addressed those repercussions in individuals who um, didn't understand fully what they were doing or were not taught correctly. And so I am always there for those people. And I'm not always the right fit for everybody. So sometimes people will come to me wanting training or or, um, advice or readings. And I, I just will tell them straight out, I'm not the right one for you, but I will match you up with the right individual for you.
0: Well, we just have a couple of minutes left. And it's been so fun to talk with you and, and find out about your work and what you're doing up there in, in Canada, hopefully staying warm. <laughs> I don't know how cold, it, how cold it is up there right now. But if people want to get in touch with you and, and book a reading, so you do do uh, healings and sessions with people. So the best way for them to get in touch with you would be through your website. Is that right?
3: You betcha. And it's so easy because it's my name. So you just punch in Kim Wurch, uh, K-I-M-W-U-I-R-C-H dot com. And you will get a plenty of information. My books are listed there. How to Book Sessions is on there. And of course, I'm on social media. A common one for people to reach out to me on is Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Easy to find. Um, you can Google my name. You can Google the name of my first book, "Waking Up an Empath." You'll get lots of hits, and um, I'm easy to find.
0: You're you're out there for sure. I found you pretty easily. <laughs> it was no it was no problem. I was able to find you. You're uh, on I think, and you're on Instagram too. I think is that right? I yeah, know, I know. I've, I know I've yeah. yeah, I know. I've seen you on there. So you've got workshops coming up classes and things that you're teaching. So you're definitely available for people to get in touch, if they have mm-hmm. questions. So I'm really glad that you could join me. So we have just like a minute and a half. And I just thought that you could share a little bit of your empath starter kit. If someone feels that they're an empath, what are a couple of things they could put in their kit that they can take away uh, from this interview today?
3: Absolutely. So I created an empath starter kit, which I wrote out the list in the back of my first book to let people know because when they walk into a metaphysical store, they might be overwhelmed by all the products and not know what they need. So the things I recommend for the beginner spiritualist is to get a piece of tiger iron crystal, which is not the same as tiger eye. You want tiger iron and you can put a magnet to it to ensure that it is the right crystal Then I also recommend some sage. It's called white sage. It's a plant that's dried and bundled. And when you burn that, it actually does cleanse energy from spaces like your house, your car, wherever you want to use it. Um, We jokingly put in some tissues and because we're
0: always <laughs> because you'll you'll be crying. Well, those are a few good things to get your starter kit going. And Kim, it's been so fun to talk with you and to share your story with everybody here today. So, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World.